Welcome, Wildcats, to another episode of the Weber State Weekly Football Show. We're a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Colby Peterson. On the show tonight with me, I've got, uh, you know, from from afar, a little bit away from Ogden, but uh, always close to Weber State in his heart, the great Sean Lewis. Sean, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. You know, two things I need to talk about tonight. Um, the Big Sky Conference just worked out a deal with Homefield Apparel to get their old school conference logo. I ordered me one of those T-shirts. Can't wait for it to get here. Looks great. Rock that, walk that, rock that when I'm up at the Big Sky Conference tournament this year. Um, and then uh, uh, Little Birdie says the Wildcats might be making an appearance closer to we know, but I can't talk about that. I think I heard that too, but uh, that might be on the DL, you know, that's privileged information, but yeah, man, I agree. Uh, That, that conference uh, throwback shirt, man, it's cool. The old school big sky logo is great. And one thing I've noticed, you know, spending time in the big sky podcast network is that, you know, people in the conference really love the conference. You know, if you're uh, if your school has been here for a while, you really appreciate what they do at the conference office. And, you know, we do too, all the good folks down in Farmington, but uh, yeah, man, uh, Doing, making moves and doing great things. I appreciate the conference. Uh, Commissioner Wistersill is doing a great job. Um, of course, John Casper does a great job with the championships. Uh, shout out to Tyson Rogers, who's been uh, the media contact right now, doing a yep. great job with the updates and stuff. I get some of those emails. So uh, uh, Mary Lose Cook doing a great job on on her media stuff uh, as the as the media face of the conference. Um, it's it's like the golden era of the Big Sky right now, and and. And they're doing some innovative things and and getting the word out that that Big Sky is a cool place to be. And and I'm glad that the conference knows who we are. We know the schools know who we are. We're not trying to be something we're not. But but there's a great brand of football, great brand of sports and all at all levels. And 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 it's just a great conference. And I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, shout out to Bryson Lester, who's, you know, really done a good job with the social media accounts for the the conference i mean some really good ones this season already like the uh the mm-hmm. nebraska one. <laughs> oh yeah 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 <laughs> legendary but uh let's talk about tonight's show guys uh so of course we're going to talk about the uc davis game right uh a slog a tough game on the, on the causeway is. yeah but uh the wildcats pull out the dub against dan hawkins and his aggies um so We'll talk a little bit about that. And then we're going to bust out Waldo's Magic Gate Ball for the first time this season uh, for football. We've done it for volleyball. We haven't done it for football yet. Uh, I will say, Sean, that uh, when we did it for volleyball, it was a little so. Um, hopefully we've warmed it up. And, yeah. And Waldo's Magic Gate Ball is feeling a little bit more generous tonight than it did the last time we busted it out for volleyball. So we'll see. But before we get into all that, I want to encourage everyone, subscribe to the show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, if you're not already. Um, of course, we are on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, Twitter, a really great place to find us on game day. You know, I tried doing a watch party on Saturday night, and uh, nobody came to hang out with me, man. I felt kind of bad. I was like, oh. so uh, I, I'm sorry. I know I know. Chappie had his own watch party that he invited me to, and, and I, I, I had a family watch party. Um, where we're moving, some cousins wanted to get together, so uh, we were watching at the cousin's house with the group. So it just wasn't conducive to joining the the spaces. But we'll be there later in the season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Wildcats will hit the road again soon, and um, we'll try it again. But but yeah, of course, social media a good place to interact with the Weaver State Weekly team, and of course, our Patreon account. You can go to Patreon.com/slash Weaver State Weekly and become a, a patron and support what we're trying to do. Uh, raise the raise the profile of Weaver State Athletics. And let people know that good things are happening on campus. I want to 
Shout out to all of our patrons already that help us keep the lights on here at Weber State Weekly. Thank you to all of you. I really do need to come up with something that's special just for you folks. So know that the gears are turning and I'm constantly thinking about you. So Sean, let's uh, let's talk about this, man. Uh, Wildcats take the trip to Davis. Uh, we knew this was going to be a tough game. We talked about that on the game day show, that this was going to be hard. Um, Davis is no slouch. Wildcats did end up dropping the game you know, in the last moments last year, last season in Ogden. And so there were some... Feeling. We almost thought we were going to get a repeat of that on Saturday night. <laughs> it's so same, right? Because the game was close at the end and there was a drive. Uh, there was a, a key turnover uh, once again that, that put the defense in a bind. But uh, we'll talk about that. But uh, the Wildcats with the dub 17 to 12. Gami, it's got to be. That's a weird score. <laughs> Probably not. But anyway, so let's get into this, man. Um, I want to talk a little bit starting off about the offense because they came out of the gate just firing and it looked like they were just going to pick right up where they had left off against Utah tech. Things were working. They were getting those short passes. The run game was clicking and they marched down the field twice and put up 14 points relatively quickly. Of course, Davis comes out and they put up three points fast, but then the Wildcats well, answer I, and then answer. Again. I, I want to counter that because the, the first drive for the Wildcats was a fumble. Uh, on yeah. the second play, Josh Davis fumbled that led to the field goal. Yep. And then they had, I believe, a three and out um, on the next drive. So it was really the third and fourth drive where they got the touchdowns. Um, and so they didn't come right out of the gates. It was in the first quarter it was early um, where they got that rhythm. And I thought once they went no huddle, they they really started to to move the ball and and get down. But uh, then Davis made adjustments and, and I didn't let you get to your question. Um, so I'll, I'll let you ask your question and then we'll talk about the adjustments to Davis Bay. Well, that's it, right? I mean, like you said, uh, the Wildcats ended up, you know, they, they got some things going offensively once they overcame that first turnover, which is unfortunate. Um, and then once they had 14 on the board, Davis made their adjustments and everything came to a screeching halt. Uh, the Wildcats were moving the ball, but they weren't able to get back into the red zone until the second half. And so I wanted to say, like, what was it that Davis took away from the Wildcats that just made it so difficult to move the ball consistently? Because they were able to move it, but it just wasn't consistent like it had been in those third and fourth drives. So I, I think that it's a combination of things, Colby. Um, I went back and started to watch a little bit of the game, try to pull, pick up things, look at the play-by-play uh, chart on, on the stat sheet. And I think there were a couple of factors that went into it. One, turnovers. Um, we were lost the turnover battle three to nothing, uh, yep. two fumbles and a pick. Um, and then the drives that, that stalled were short drives where it was a three and out. It was a, it was a, uh, um, lots of punts. It was, it was, uh, rushing and then not converting on third down. The Wildcats were only three of 11 on third down on Saturday night. I think that led to it. So, I, I'm not sure that there was one specific thing that got taken away. I noticed that in those shorter drives, we were doing short passes and a little couple of runs. We weren't throwing the ball downfield. I think that's yeah. what led to a lot of stuff. We had a couple of long plays, a couple of chunk plays during those touchdown drives that really helped the Wildcats do that. It, so a good tackling third down defense, I think, is really the key, third and 11, and the turnovers. And, and when you're playing that slog, um, and then in the fourth quarter, you kind of have to discount because Weber spent a lot of time rushing, trying to uh, run clock. And clock so I, friend, I, right. They wanted to get, yeah. So I, I think in a lot of ways, 
it was just a multitude of things. I don't know that it was one specific adjustment that Davis made to to take away the offense from Weber State. And in all reality, in in my mind, and maybe this is a video game me, I don't know. But if you're if you're getting two two hundred and fifty yards, I know we didn't hit that two hundred and fifty yards passing and between hundred and hundred and fifty yards rushing um for a game, I think that's the average of where you want to be at to get a balanced office offense that Coach Mental really wants us to be. And so um I think that's the key. Um we were close to those benchmarks. We hit it in rushing, we didn't quite hit it in passing, if I remember my stats right. Um Pulling them up here, it looks like we had um, 200 yards net, 201 yards net on the passing game, 155 yards net on the ground. Exactly. So, so we were we were close. I mean, we we hit it in rushing, we didn't hit it in the passing, but I but I think we were close enough that the offense was doing things. But it, the frustrating thing is 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 fans, right? We want to be, we want to score a touchdown every play or every drive. And, and so when we don't score a touchdown every drive or we go three or four drives without scoring, that gets to be frustrating for us as fans. But, but I think statistically and in reality, I don't think the Wildcats um, uh, really gave the game away other than turnovers. And I don't think Davis did anything to win the game. Um, they missed their field goals. They missed uh, opportunities. And we were had opportunities. We had a couple of, of interceptions that were right in our hands that we just couldn't, that we couldn't catch. Right. Very true. Um, Very true. So it, it's just a slog and that's how it always is against Davis. And and nobody's going to, we're not going to see a 44 to 35 game against Davis. That That is a defensive battle. And frankly, that's the toughest defense that we were seen yes. all year. Yep. So you, you expect to see, you know, we're not playing Utah tech again. We're not playing Western Oregon. You're going to see some of those offensive numbers slide back down to the mean. Yeah, and I think that um, a key piece to Davis's scheme was that they made sure that they did not give up the deep ball. I mean, Bronson Barron's long was not not very far in this game. You know, pulling it up really quickly, Barron's. You know, like you said, he had this is a 29 yard pass. 27 yards was his longest pass in this game. Yeah. You know, like they, I think that they saw the tape against Utah State and against Utah Tech and said, ah, they like to run down the sidelines and let their guys go get it. We're going to take that away. And they did a good job. They did a really good job of, of taking that away. So then the D, the offense has to readjust and say, okay, shorter chunk yardage, running the ball, of course, because I would. You know, mm-hmm. the Wildcats ran the ball relatively well. Like if you put up 155 yards on any team, you're going to feel pretty good about that. Right. Yeah. But they almost ran the wall ball as well as that dog retrieved a T several times that the announcers were obsessed with Saturday night. I loved that. But yeah, the announcers, it was like, all right, guys, it's the fourth quarter. We've talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, uh, it was a slog. And so I hear what you're saying where it's like, it's not necessarily that Davis took a lot away. It's just that, um, you know, everybody kind of settled in, started executing on their game plan. And it became what a normal game against Davis is because I think everybody remembers the 2017 homecoming game where the Wildcats roll like 44 to three. That's mm-hmm. uncommon. You know, Brett Hine from the standard examiner posted the usual scores of the last four or five years. And they were yep. always much closer, right? Like we're talking about three, 
seven points. Like the Wildcats are not blowing out the Aggies normally because Dan Hawkins is a really good coach and his team is very disciplined, right? They committed just two penalties and they are one of the top teams in the country at not committing penalties. So they're not going to do that. They're not going to give you free yardage. You're going to have to go and get it. Yep. So, I mean, let's talk a little bit. We, in the, if you listen to the game day show, we talked a lot about Ulanzo Gilliam, who yes. like we said is the big sky conferences, preseason offensive MVP. And he looked every bit of that on Saturday. This was his best game against the Wildcats in his career. It also, unless the Wildcats see Davis in the playoffs or something later, if the Wildcats go to the playoffs and if the Aggies go to playoffs, cause it's still very early in the season, uh, this will be his last game against the Wildcats. And this was his best. He ended up with, you know, 150, Five, let's see, 111 yards rushing and 35 yards passing uh, or receiving yards. Um, so, what about this time around that make him that made him difficult to contain? Because obviously they'd done it before, but this time was different. What was it about this time that gave Gilliam that production that he hadn't seen in previous matchups? I, I think he's a senior, I, and I think the offense is geared around him and and the Davis coaches found ways to get him the ball in different situations for him to be successful. Um, and it, there's no fault. I mean, he's one of the top three rushers in, in the big sky conference. Yeah, and, and so there, there's no shame in giving up a hundred yards to him. Um, he, he's going to get it. Uh, he's just a tough guy to tackle. He's, he's, he's just a, a bowling ball of a, of a runner and, and really just, he, he just gets up and he's, he's like the energizer bunny man just keeps going and going and going and rarely takes breaks. And um, I thought they did rely a little bit too much on him um, in offense. And I know their quarterback had, um, you know, they had 57, you know, he's 39 and 57 uh, passing attempts, a lot of attempts, a lot of attempts, but it didn't feel like that. It felt like every play was the Gilliam. Right. And yeah, whether they were handing him the ball or, you know, he was rushing out into the flat or like some kind of bubble yeah. screen on the outside, yeah. or they were going to, you know, pitch it out to the edge and just see if he can get out there, if the backers yeah. and the secondary can get him. But yeah, it did feel that way that like Gilliam was the spark plug for their offense. And then occasionally they would switch out with uh, the Larison kid or, you know, mm-hmm. maybe they would try and find um, somebody else on one of their, their wide receivers because, you know, um, CJ Hutton had a really good game. Um, and then Chaz Davis also had a really good game, but, and, and then we should talk about McAllen castles because I think, you know, there was some talk on Twitter after the game or even during that castles was probably a legitimate NFL prospect because of his size at the tight end position. Yeah. Gilliam is. He had five catches for 22 yards. Yeah. I mean, is that, is that NFL quality? Well, I don't know what I'm saying is just his, his body is Probably his body type is prototypical. I get you. Scouts will look for that, right? This was not a good yeah. game for him, but I also think that he had really critical targets. Some didn't go his way. If you remember the one that went, you know, went awry in the end mm-hmm. zone, didn't didn't find him. But I thought, you know, I can't blame Davis for trying that because it was a good matchup. Yeah. But I think that for, for Gilliam, yes, he had a good game, but that's to be expected. Like you said, Sean, with a guy with his level of experience. Um, and as much as they ran it through. One thing I will say, though, is I don't think enough people are talking about the Davis offensive line because it gave Davis, it, it gave Gilliam a lot of holes to run through against 
what I think is a quality defensive line on the Wildcat side, right? Like we've seen this line grow and really put pressure. We saw what they did uh, against Utah Tech and how much pressure they put on. Hastings was not pressured very much in this game, Sean. Like, you know, the it was interesting. Really I kept him off. I, I listened to the game day show. And one of the things that you guys talked about was that Hastings wasn't going to beat you with his feet running north-south. But when he would get east-west and scrambling, that's where he was – that's where he'd get you. And and in watching that game, I, I keyed in on that. And that was essentially true. You guys hit that right on the head, that we were getting pressure, right? He, he was clean. I don't – the sad thing is they don't track hurries as a stat on, on the right. stat sheet. And so you can't see, hey, he was running for his life so many times. But we didn't get to him. And, and I think yeah. that's a criticism that we've had of the Wildcats um, in multiple games where, where they don't finish the getting to the quarterback. Now, that may be a defensive strategy that they just want to bend, don't break. They're not trying to get the sacks. I love a good sack, right? And, and bringing somebody down tackles for loss. Um, and I, I didn't see the tackles for loss um, on, a, on the team sheet. Uh, Wildcats had two. Davis came away with Four or five? Uh, let me let me come down sure. quickly here. Uh, uh, Davis, they had two sacks. So um, actually, Wildcats had four TFLs. They had okay. two and a half, three and a half, four and a half. So yeah, I mean, it, it's it's the it's the it's the um, you know we're just not getting there. We're not getting home. And I think uh, credit to our defense because uh, there was some discussion. Maybe it was on the game day show. I don't remember about how. Um, the defensive line is doing great and we're forcing teams to throw, um, which leads to our secondary being great. And, and they're both and and our defensive line isn't getting the credit that they deserve and how well they've done this year. And I, and I think they are doing great. Um, our our overall scoring defense is top of the country. Our our uh, so it, it's just a matter of of we're just not getting those those big sacks that that again as fans we want to see but i think you have to look at the defense as a whole and say it's being successful yeah i mean the, the defense was the story in this game and so very yes, much so. no no sacks bummer but hastings you know by extending plays he did create problems for the secondary because then you know guys are off their routes and they're just ad-libbing and you're just trying to keep up with them and keep the window as tight as you can so that the ball doesn't find its way into somebody's hands. And there were some good PBUs and there were some catches, you know, on third down yeah. that I wish hadn't happened. You know what I mean? Because sure. of extension of those plays because able to go, you know, like you said, mm -hmm. uh, North South. Well, like uh, I want to talk a little bit now about, uh, about the Wildcats side of the ball and, and talk about running because yeah, the offense did have its, its struggles. Um, like we said, Bronson Barron only able to pass for 201 yards on 30 attempts. But I mean, that was that was pretty good considering that like Miles Hastings passed for 256 yards on 57 attempts. So Barron was pretty efficient considering his long was only 27 yards. But I want to talk about the, the run game because Josh Davis has another good game. He eclipses 100 yards. We see Dante McMillan come in. He racks up 52 yards, but they were really, really critical. He had six carries for 52 yards. That's 8.7 yards on average. 
Um, and had one of the touchdowns. It um, was that the, the announcers had no clue that he was even in the game. Yeah. Yeah. They messed up a lot of stuff. But um, so I think I, I, the question I wrote in the notes, Sean, was will running the ball be key against some of these tough defenses? Because the Wildcats are going to see more tough defenses as the schedule rolls on. We know that Montana State is coming. We know that Montana is coming. We know that Sac State is coming. You know, even I think that, you know, Eastern Washington can give the Wildcats some problems or Portland State's secondary. Do you think that running the ball is going to be the key? Because like we saw, teams have now found the blueprint unless the offense makes adjustments. It's going to be tough to take, you know, to make adjustments and not get the pass taken away again. So back to relying on the on the running back room. So I get what you're saying. And I, I think I think the difference is shaking up the passing game. Um, okay. Bronson Barron and the two touchdown drives looked really, really comfortable. And and they were running that no huddle, huddle and they were getting to the line and they were doing the quick outs and, and getting some plays. And and really is when we stopped getting being able to get to the sideline, uh, when those adjustments were made that that the offense stalled, right? Um, but we still ran for 150 yards, which is what you would want out of any running game. So I think the running game is going to be fine. I we're it's really good for the offense to see the tough slog that was this game because they can go and say, okay, here's what didn't work. Let's find the adjustment to see, to adjust their adjustments. And I, I think the, 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 we will see some adjustments. We'll see some wrinkles. Um, and I'm confident Colby. I, I know I was way excited after the first game. I really think the offense is starting to get Mickey Mantle's offense. And I really think that they are, the longer we go into the season, the better the offense is going to be and the more efficient they're going to be. And yes, teams have coaches that are going to scout us and figure it out, but so do we. And, and that's the joy of football is figuring it out and putting in the different wrinkles. Um, I'm not as down the offense that I was earlier in the season. And, and I think it's just because of the comfort level. And, and Bronson Barron looks good when, he, when he's confident. And, and throwing well and, and give credit to our O line. Yes, we got sacked twice, but I, it didn't, it felt like when Bronson Barron um, was hurried, um, there were a couple of pump fakes that he did, and then he had to run for his life uh, and stuff like that. It's all about those quick decisions and, and just following the, the, the progressions and getting it out just like he's coached to do. So, so it's more the mental game for, for the offense and, and the, the passing game, in my opinion. Yeah, but I'm not a coach and I'm no expert. Yeah, but one of those one of those broken plays was, you know, a touchdown pass to Josh Davis, right? So it kind of yeah, shows yeah. Barron's maturity to say, okay, I need to get out. I'm going to roll out. I'm going to look down the field and see what's there. For me, there's a bubble. There's an opportunity to think rather safely to Josh Davis. You know, there wasn't like there was a DB there to kind of go after him. So he gets it. Davis is slippery. We know that. He's very tough so, in the open field. So this goes back to our previous questions. Is was was it Davis that stopped the Wildcats, or was it the Wildcats that stopped the Wildcats? I mean, I think you have, I think you have a really good point with the no huddle, right? Because I think back to the spring season when uh, they, if you remember, I think we were sitting close together when this happened. They Maybe. they were running like they did like no huddle, hurry up offense to Davis, and the Wildcats mm-hmm. were getting so much chunk yardage that Davis literally called a timeout the way you would in basketball mm-hmm. to slow things down. To slow us, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like the first time in my in my life seeing that in a football game, and so it's clear mm-hmm. that 
you know, like you said, when the Wildcats were going no huddle, of course, different offensive coordinators, but the speed didn't give the defense time to get set and it did cause problems for Davis. And so that could potentially be a wrinkle that works in the future when you really need to get some yards and get down the field or you're getting close to the red zone and you want to run something, go no huddle, go hurry up and just see if the defense can respond. And if they can't, great, seven points. And if they do, well, good for them. Let's try something else. Well, and something else I think I want to put out into the ethos here and and, and I could be completely off base on this, but I wonder... What I, what I hope doesn't happen, and I, I hope the coaches that do watch and listen to our show are listening to this, I hope that our offense doesn't get reliant on the defense coming through for them, right? Sure. Because our defense is stellar. Defense is tops in the country. This is probably the best Jay Hill defense we've ever seen. That's what um, he said. He said that State. too. Yeah, yeah. So this is by far the best defense we've had at Weber State in a long time. And that's saying... If ever. Something. Yeah, and and so so it's if I could use the Utah Jazz, right? We got the Jazz got criti- criticized because they had Rudy Gobert catching all the cleaning up all the messes that the wing players letting guys through like a sieve, right? Yep. And not playing defense, right? And and I I'm using that analogy, and I know the Jazz are going to be a totally different team this year, but I'm using that, and I hope that the offense doesn't get complacent with a three and out. Because they're like, oh, the defense will take care of it and won't give up a point and won't give up a score. Because the offense needs to put points on the board. And, and, and the same frustration of getting in the red zone and settling for field goals and, and stalling out in those areas. We didn't have quite as many of those in the game against Davis. But three for three in the red zone, right? One of those. But we had drives that stalled. Yeah. A lot of drives that stalled. Like, you know, and, 15, and so you're 20 yards before you got there. Right. And you're like, ah. yeah, exactly. And so, so I don't want the, the offense to feel like, well, it's okay that this drive stalled. Our defense will pick up for us because that's a bad thing to get into. You want to take care of your end of the, the bargain and scoring the points so that the defense doesn't have to bail you out. And, and right now I don't think the defense is bailing out the offense in that sense, but against Montana or Montana state, I, I could see that happen. Yeah. Um, a thing that I was thinking as the game was going that once after those third and fourth drives where the Wildcats go up 14-3, I think everybody in Wildcat Nation was looking for that third touchdown, which I think would have yep. really been the boot on the neck of of the Aggies because the defense was playing so well that should mm-hmm. the Wildcats go up three scores uh, or you know two and a half scores, whatever, because they had three points yeah. at that point, yeah. uh, it's it's really... Uh, going to put them in a bind because now they have to start to really figure out like, and maybe put some pressure on them. And so we're sort of waiting down to come and it just didn't. Right. And I think that that also maybe gave the Aggies some confidence that had the offense put up a few more points, they don't have that confidence. It's sort of like what we saw against Utah tech where the Wildcats go up to two scores relatively quickly Utah Tech is able to get back in the game and say, oh, we can we can hang. Whereas, you know, if we hadn't run into the punter like we talked about in last week's show, then that would have been a three and out. And the the Trailblazers don't score a touchdown on that drive. And the Wildcats very well could have scored another one. The boot is on the neck at that point. You're up 21 to three or whatever. That's tough. You know, that gets in a team's head. 
Whereas, well, and to your point, we're up 14, and then we have three straight drives of three, three, and four plays. Yeah. Right? And and that's how we and end fourth the first play, half. I think it was a penalty on first down that gave them a conversion. I believe so. I believe you're correct. And so you, you basically have three, three and outs, essentially. Yeah. And, and then you have Davis, who in that same span of that late second quarter, go down and have two field goal attempts that – if they hit those all of a sudden it's 14 to nine, that's, that's a different game. And, 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 you know, lucky for us. And again, I just talked about how great the defense has been second week in a row. We have a goal line stand at the end of the half, you know, that, that or not second week in a row, but the second, second time this season, we have a goal line stand at, at the, at the end of a half that, that really saves the trajectory of that game. And also takes momentum away from the Aggies going yeah. into halftime, mm-hmm. right? Where, where yep. Maxwell Anderson, I think that's who they ended up saying it was, was Maxwell Anderson gets a hand up, gets a finger on the on the the field goal attempt where their yep. kicker was already struggling. We talked about that on the game day show about the fact that teams is not great. Their kicker, even though he's a senior, has had his woes. We saw more of those woes and the Wildcats directly benefited from those woes. Yep. But yeah, stealing that momentum and then going into the half up 14 uh, six at that point, right? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, that was big, but you can't ask your defense to do that all the time. Yeah. And I think that's my overall point is, is that the offense has got to put some points on the board. And, and Jay Hill said that, right? Sure. We, we're not getting the touchdowns. We're, we're not getting in. We're four and oh, though. So again, as, as I like to remind everybody on the show, we're four and oh. What are we nitpicking, right? Sure. <laughs> you we know, a dub's because- a dub. Yeah, a dub is a dub. Um, tougher matchups are coming. I think that's what people are looking for. But also, like you sure. said, we see progression every single week. Just give it time, guys. We, we've we seen the play right. calling. We've, we've seen the scheme that Coach Mental is running on the offensive side. We've seen Barron get better. That's a thing that I wanted to talk about finally. This is the last thing I want to talk about before we close out this segment was about quarterback play and about how Miles Hastings, like we said, through for just 55 more yards, but 27 more attempts to get those 55 yards than Barron had, you know, with his 201 yard performance. I mean, what does that say about Bronson Barron's performance that he gets 200 yards on 30 attempts with a long of 27 guys? I think that having coach mental as quarterbacks coach is really making a difference in that room. Yeah. I, I think, I think that Bronson Barron's been coached up and I, th- I think he's been put in situations that are successful um, if I'm going to pick a nit on, on the, on the throwing is that, uh, uh, Meacham and Malone had a combined two receptions. Um, and maybe that was Davis taking away the tight ends a little bit. Maybe that was some drops, you know, but, but we were promised tight end play and two receptions by the tight ends is not tight ends play. And, and so that's, that's the one nick I'll, nit I will pick. Uh, and the Davis games is that stat, but, but Bronson is turning into the quarterback that we thought he was going to be uh, the very first time we saw him as a freshman. Yeah. And so I think that just like you said, Sean, each week they'll get better. The more time they can spend with their coaches. I mean, we, we obviously know that like the defense, the more time they spend with their coaches on that defensive line and in the secondary and the linebackers coach, like they're going to get better. Same thing on the offensive side of the ball. The more time that that quarterback room spends with Coach Mental and the more time that the offense spends going through 
that that system that Coach Mental has set up, uh, they're going to be okay. They they really well, are. And, and one last point, Kobe. I think I think the Idol Week comes at a good time. You're four yeah. zero. You you've you've beaten your two toughest opponents, um, one handily, one in a slog. Um, and now you get a chance to reset. You can, you can take a couple of, of days to rest up and heal up, get caught up on your schoolwork. Cause these are student athletes, right? And then, and then, and then you can use this week to, to fix some of those things. When you're in a game week, you can't always tweak, you can't always fix, but now you can spend some time in practice really focusing on it before you get back into the game week for homecoming against Eastern Washington. And I, uh, now one thing to be concerned about, Pretty sure Eastern Washington is scheduled to play in the swamp this weekend. Is that is that what I understand? And yet yeah. we've got a hurricane we- coming through. Yeah, weather weather so, permitting. Yeah, weather permitting. And 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 you know Florida's not coming to Cheney because you know that's not going to happen. You're more than likely to see that game played at Georgia Tech or something like that. Yeah. But uh, I I I hope that that <laughs> selfishly I hope that Eastern Washington actually has to travel out there. And that it doesn't get canceled before they make the travels, just so they have the weariness of travel and preparation. Yeah, rather like than said, a free idle week. Yeah, that's a that's a tough matchup. You know what I mean? And obviously, you know, Florida they were out here in Tennessee last weekend. You know, and they dropped one in Knoxville uh, to the Great balls, game. Watched but, watched a bunch of that. Yeah, but I mean, they that's going to be a tough matchup for an FCS team, and especially. You know, we'll see what Gunnar Talkington's made of because he's really he's really come on for them, and we you know we knew that. But I, I hear what you're saying, Sean, where it's like a little bit extra on Eastern Washington than they're coming to Ogden for the homecoming game. The Wildcats have had a week off. We know about the the bye week woes following. But I yep. think that the X factor for this year is that Coach Mental has that much more time to work with the offense and get guys mm-hmm. ready, which I don't see as a bad thing. And so I, I view the bye in a different way this year than I would in previous years where I am very nervous. Coach Hill has talked about the bye week woes. They've tried all kinds of things to make sure that there wasn't a letdown after the bye. Um, there have been problems. You know, it just, they'll ha- they haven't yet been able to crack that code. I think with Coach Mental spending the time and really keeping guys, you know, going through the system and continuing to learn and get better, maybe that, you know, the offense coming out firing on all cylinders invigorates the defense to come out and play well. And we know that. Coach Hill has done a good job of scheming against Aaron best offenses. So we'll see, you know, what, what they come up with, but maybe the offense can spark the defense to keep the Eagles down early and then, you know, get some momentum. So we'll see. Yeah. All right. So that's the Davis game. Wildcats, like you said, Sean, now four and zero on the season. Uh, I think uh, I didn't get the year. I mean, they were, it was the first time they were three and zero since 98, four and zero. I think they said it's only happened three times in 50 years. So something to that effect, uh, Paul put out today. Yep. So it's rare air folks, uh, what you're seeing right now, but let's, let's, uh, let's go to Waldo's magic eight ball, Sean. So, uh, I got the eight ball. Like I said, I mean, it's, it's here. And so I wanted to kind of go through this and just give you an opportunity to ask some questions on each side of the ball. So I thought, Hey, we just got done talking about the offense. Let's talk about the offense. Sean, do you have an offensive question for Waldo's magic eight ball. I do. Um, I want to know, will the wildcats, well, I'm going to change it. Will Bronson Barron stay healthy for the entire season? Meaning mm-hmm. he does not get hurt in his QB one for every game this year. 
Okay. Will Bronson Barron stay healthy at and you know continue to start at QB1 for the remainder of the season? Shaking Waldo's magic eight ball. The answer is outlook good. Okay. Off to a good start here already. I like it. Yeah, I like it too. Um, so for my question, I think uh, I'm going to put it on the tight ends. Cause like you said, the tight end play was something that we were looking forward to. We longed for the days of, of Andrew Voller and others where, you know, that was there. Uh, it was great pressure release for the offense. Just dump it into the flat and let a, a big body tight end go out there and get some yardage. I think we have some guys in Justin Malone and Hayden Meacham who can get that for us. So the, at the question that I have on the offensive side for the wall of the ball for Waldo's magic eight ball is, will we see an uptick in tight end play based on what we saw this weekend? Shaking Waldo's magic eight ball. And the answer very doubtful. Okay. Um, I don't like that. Maybe, maybe that means the receivers and everything with the tight ends just become unnecessary. I doubt it, but, ah, but uh, sure. I, I want to see Meacham and uh, Malone get more, get more throws. I agree. Uh, okay, Sean, let's let's flip it now and let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Do you have a question for Waldo's Magic 8 ball there? I do. I have a great one here. Will Weber State finish top five nationally in total scoring defense? Okay. Will the Wildcat defense finish the season top five nationally uh, for scoring defense? Shaking Waldo's Magic 8 ball. The answer coming through. Ask again later. Okay, maybe a little too far away for right now. <laughs> so, well, and, and to that point, I do want to point out that Weber State technically is number two uh, nationally right now. However, the one team that is ahead of us is uh, I'm pulling this back up here. Um, oh, where did it go? Uh, like Fordham or something, right? It's Fordham, but they've only played yeah. one game. And no, it was an Ivy like League that. team that had a shutout. And so um, there there wasn't a uh, – um, cl- pardon me. There's two teams ahead of us. We're, we're third in okay. scoring defense. It's Columbia and then Montana. We hate, we hate that. Uh, well, and, and that's what it is right now, right? If you go look at yeah. the Big Sky stats, I mean, the, the Wildcats and the Grizz are right there in a number of defensive yep. statistical categories. Uh, I think that that's going to be quite a matchup when the Grizz come to Ogden in late October. So uh, my question on the defensive side of the ball for Waldo's Magic 8 ball is this. We talked about trying to get home a little bit more. I think that if the Wildcats are able to crack the code on getting to the quarterback a little bit more, it's going to breed a lot of success because like you pointed out, Sean, Wildcats lose the turnover battle in this, in this last game against Davis three to none. The Wildcats did not come away with a turnover. Um, my question for Waldo's magic eight ball. Are we going to see the defensive line get home more and start racking up a few more sacks? So the answer from Waldo's magic, magic eight ball coming in. Yes. <laughs> That's it. It just says yes. <laughs> so unequivocal. So there you go. Um, Sean, let's do one yeah. last question here. You want to do a schedule question or you want to do a conference question? Mm. Let's do a conference question. Okay. Cause the schedule is what it is. And, and if it's an idle week and, and I don't care. Um, let's, let's do a conference question. Um, there's some talk nationally about I think it was on Sam Herter's show. He talked about how many teams the big sky could get into the playoffs. And there's a question about five or six. So I want to know while those magic eight ball, will the big sky get six 
teams into the FCS playoffs? Yeah, I mean, a good question. What is that, like 33% of the field? I think they upgraded to 24. 25, so. yeah. So it's, that'd be 25% yeah. of the entire field coming from one conference. So let's ask, will the Big Sky Conference get six teams into the into the FCS playoffs? Once again, an unequivocal yes. <laughs> so there you go. There's your answer, Sean. So Idaho's got a chance. Oh, man. Go Vandals. No. They're on the rise. I'll say that. I mean, it's yeah. good to see Vandals looking good to see really Vandals good this year. Yep. I like to see it. Um, my, my question really quickly for uh, a conference question is, um, is going to be about, I think, maybe the bottom of the conference. So uh, some folks on Twitter called the game against Northern Colorado and Idaho State the toilet bowl, too. Uh, we knew that was going to be a tough game because neither team is really playing super well right now. Um, and so my question is this. I think that the conference is very heavy on the top and very heavy and very heavy on the bottom in terms of badness. Like the teams on the top are really good and the teams on the bottom are really, really bad. Waldo's Magic 8-Ball, will we see improvement in the bottom of the conference as the schedule wears on? So shaking Waldo's and Magic 8-Ball, the question is... Better not tell you now. So sorry if you're an Idaho State fan. That's not good for you. <laughs> it doesn't look good in Pocatello. According to well, that, that's a question, Kobe. What defines better as we get into conference season, right? I mean, if you want if you want the bottom of the conference to be better, they got to start winning the out of conference games. But I also think that like you need to be competitive in some of these games. Like sure, Idaho sure. State okay. went went to Greeley this weekend and let Dylan McCaffrey look like a quarterback who belongs in the top half of the conference. He's not that. Which is why his dad plays him. Right. Uh, and, and so uh, that's a mistake on Idaho state's part. When you look at yeah. other teams like Houston Christian, now not Houston Baptist anymore. They just announced the change. They shut McCaffrey down. They had to bring the sermon kid in. Uh, and you know, he, he did much better, but still McCaffrey has not really had a good showing until Saturday when the Bengals went to Greeley and they let it happen. So, you know, you, you have to be more competitive if you want to move up the ranks. And of course it's a first year coach, blah, 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 whatever. But I just think that the bottom of the conference needs to come up. If we want to really start talking about the big sky as if we want to start talking about ourselves the way the Valley talks about themselves. Right. So, so who's the scarier team that's below 500 right now, Eastern or Davis? Is uh, Eastern one and two with a trip to Florida pending. Davis is one and three with a loss to Weaver. It's it's Davis because Davis has they have held tough opponents to very close games. Uh, it just hasn't happened for them, right? They've played Cal yeah. and lost. They played South Dakota State, who's the two or third three team in the country. You decide they lost in a close game. They play well the Wildcats in Davis and they lose a close game. Um, I, I can't remember who's going to Davis this weekend. Um, but I feel bad for them because they're going to come out with their hair on fire. Like it's going to be, it's going to be really, really tough on that team because they're, they're going to be super hungry. Well, D Davis is at Montana state this weekend. Okay. So they're up in Bozeman. The yeah. Cats are probably going to have a tough go with that Davis defense. I'm going to be honest. Well, and Montana state uh, Eastern took them 35, 38, right? And that, that was will be game. out of that game they announced today because of his injury yeah. on Saturday. Yeah. And we already know that, you know, Davis can take the pass away. So if they take the runaway, I don't know where Montana State gets their offense. 
Well, we're getting ahead of the uh, conference uh, game day show this this weekend. Yeah, so we'll talk more about that. We'll drop a game a bi week game day show where we'll just talk more about what's going on in the conference. But let's look up the up- upcoming schedule, folks. So, like we said, idle this week. You should go though on Friday to University Broiler at noon. Wildcat fan lunch is going to be happening there. So Wildcat fans converging on University Broiler, which is a great uh, establishment. Love their food. Great supporters of Weber State. Wildcat fans will be there on noon at noon on Friday to hang out and talk some Wildcat sports. So be there. Then next weekend, it's homecoming week. Uh, we're we're going to be playing the, the Eastern Washington Eagles, taking a trip to Ogden uh, to face the Wildcats on October 8th. That game will be at 6 p.m. It'll be the last night game of the year. Uh, but you can get your tickets at WeaverStateSports.com. Really sad. Homecoming is one of my favorite traditions on campus. I love homecoming. So go to the game for me, man, because I love it and I miss it. And make Ogden purple. Then Saturday, October 15th, Wildcats taking the trip up to Portland State to get some revenge, hopefully, after what happened last year. And Davis Alexander, uh, he's not there anymore. So we'll see what happens. That game, 3 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, ESPN+. Plus. Then the following week, uh, another road trip up to Bozeman at Montana State, 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, ESPN+. Plus. My understanding is a number of Wildcat fans are going to be taking the trip to Bozeman for that. Uh, then Saturday, October 29th, the, the two heavy hitters in the conference will face each other. Montana will come to Ogden. The Grizz will face the Wildcats at Stewart Stadium, 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Tickets at WeberStateSports.com. Go to the game, guys. Grizz fans are going to show up, so go to the game and be loud. Be louder than they are because they're going to be there and they're going to be loud because their team's good this year. Uh, and that's that's the upcoming schedule. So we'll wrap up the show. Email WeberStateWeekly at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon. We already talked about. Got the blog. We're working on our our grades for the week right now. And so they might be out by the, uh, by the time you listen to this, uh, check the blog, weberstateweekly.com. Sean, I want to thank you for taking some time to chat with me tonight about Weber state football. Um, yeah, best yeah. of luck this week. If you have the time to make it up to the, the lunch, I, know, I, I uh, won't be at university Bro- Royal grill. Um, I've, I got to work on Friday, but, uh, um, but, uh, I'll be there in spirit with all y'all. Um, that's always a fun time. If I were in Ogden, I would definitely be there. Yeah, I will say I have heard that a very special guest is going to be showing up. So if you want to know who that special guest is, I would just show up to University Broiler and see who happens to pop in. So we'll wrap it up like we always do, Sean. Weber State, Weber State. Great, great, great. Go Wildcats. Oh!